following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. You're listening to a Tip of the Cap podcast brought to you by Stinger Sports. Stinger Sports makes high-quality gear for the player who expects more for their money. Visit them today at www.stingerwoodbats.com and use promo code TIP OF THE CAP, all one word, for 10% off your next order. Stinger Sports. Look great. Feel great. Play great. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Tip of the Cap podcast. I am Coach Jaws, and I am joining you alone, a little solo mission today. Um just kind of here doing my thing and I'm going to try some new stuff today because I have a new uh, new soundboard here so I am able to hopefully do some new and interesting things as I adjust my volumes here and kind of get things settled. This is the first time I'm recording uh, a podcast on this. <clears throat> Excuse me, I did a live um I did a live video for one of the other shows the other night and use a different microphone setup for all that so this is interesting but uh you know just trying to do new better and cooler things as i sit here and am um just kind of uh, figuring things out as i go but uh hopefully hopefully the volume is okay and i can get you know i'm gonna show off a little bit here get uh get a little bit of you know keep keep the fans happy Stuff like that. So uh, before we get too deep in here, let's. Uh, a lot of this new stuff was paid for by a sponsorship we have through Buffalo Freddy Enterprises, so let's hear from them real quick. The weather is changing and the sun is shining, which means summer party season is here, and Buffalo Freddy Party Rental has everything you need to get your party started. From tents, tables, and chairs to inflatable bounce houses, water slides, and obstacle courses, Buffalo Freddy has everything you need to take your summer shindig to the next level. Not sure what to serve at your event? Buffalo Freddy does barbecue catering as well. For more details or to make reservations, head over to buffalofreddy.com or give them a call at 716-437-3339. That's 716-4-FREDDY. Buffalo Freddy is a proud sponsor of this podcast. And so that's Buffalo Freddy Enterprises. Check them out for all your party needs, like you heard it all there in the ad. Um, good friend of mine, Buffalo Freddy, uh, also does the barbecue catering. You can see him in and around a lot of Bill's stuff this year. And uh, so a lot to talk about here. Uh, not a lot. I'm not going to try to go too long. You guys know that I try not to go too terribly deep, uh, too terribly long into my personal stuff and, uh, you know, my little individual rants. Because, like, really, it, this is about getting information out there, getting things out for people uh, to hear and to know. Um, but one thing, I, I actually have something here to play for you guys. Uh, and I'm going to kind of dive into this because... First off, I'm going to uh, I'm going to play this. I'm going to read the tweet that it was in, and then the tweet that I saw it in, and then I'm going to dive in a little bit. So, first off, this, so this was put on TikTok. Yo, unless you're ready for varsity level play, high school baseball is an absolute waste of everyone's time. I said it. Let's talk about it. All right, and if you're one of those people who are the high school baseball is is for character building and life skills and all of that, just please scroll. I'm making content for kids who want to play college baseball, okay? For how much these parents pay 
to, to, to advance their kid and develop their kid and how much these kids care about being a good player and moving on to the next level. For their freshman and sophomore year, they typically get coaches that don't know anything about baseball. It's their secondary sport. Hell, I don't even know if they like baseball. Very rarely get field time. They get thrown in the batting cage, you know, by themselves, you know, while the varsity gets the field the entire time. And it's like, if, if that's gonna be how it is, why don't these freshmen and sophomores go play for coaches who actually know baseball and actually care and wanna help them develop and actually are gonna teach them things that they need to know. Full disclosure, I live in one of the meccas of high school baseball. You got Northern and Southern California, you got Georgia, you got Florida, you got Texas, like Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, like it's big time baseball here. High school kids getting drafted all the time. It's the real deal. And I don't know who agrees, but I have a big problem with my 14, 15 year old kids who really care about playing baseball. Their parents invest a lot of money and time to develop them. And then they go for, you know, an entire semester and they play for a wrestling coach or a football coach and they don't learn anything and they don't get better. And quite honestly, it's a travesty. And I think it's trash. And I think it absolutely has to change. I do a whole series, probably five parts on how bad high school baseball is in reality, and even at the varsity level. And you know what, to end this video, I'm gonna say, you know, before you guys get all butthurt about, you know, getting on teachers and coaches, look, I don't care, all right? I really don't care. I care about the kids that I coach getting better. And when they go for an entire year of getting trash coaching, it annoys me. It annoys me to my roots. And if I can't talk about bad coaches, then what is a good coach? You know, you can't say anything about people going to hurt people's feelings. Man, get out of here. So that's the uh, video in question. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack there. And uh, the tweet that, that that was accompanied with that was no disrespect to the many high school coaches I know, but what's your take on this point of view? Is high school baseball worth it anymore? And then the quote tweet that I saw it in said, missed in translation is that not enough high schools are able or willing to provide resources to aid in the development of high school baseball players. There are also a lot of high school associations that still believe two weeks is long enough to get prepared for a season. Now, there's a lot to that, all right? So there is, I, I mean, I can tell you, and if you've been a fan of the show since Jump Street, I told you, I mean, my, my high school baseball coach was a history teacher who was a Yankees fan. And really, I mean, the dude couldn't throw a baseball. Um, we couldn't do any type of pregame BP that or outdoor BP that wasn't via a machine or anything along those lines. Um, Yo, unless you're whoop, ready. Whoop, sorry. So a uh, little learning curve here of the new soundboard as I pod that down there so we don't have to uh, hear it again if I scroll through. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that... Um, yeah, I think the the caliber, and, and I'm, I'm going to talk from the Western New York area uh, because that's where I'm from, that's what I know. Uh, the level of high school coaching around here has gotten significantly better. Uh, you have a lot of ex-pros, uh, you know, there's a lot of long-time coaches that have been doing it for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, again, the, you've got the ex-pros coming in, ex you know, they're bringing in uh, ex-college guys, stuff like that. And then... You know, you have those. I, I think we're, I think we're quickly, and and just, you know, kind of justifiably getting away from the, oh, this is insert random teacher here, or this is person who played some little league and maybe through JV high school baseball coaching varsity and everything else. I think we're at least in this area, hope you know, really kind of breaking that mold and getting away. But it's also one of those things where, you know, um. There are a lot of qualified guys out there that don't do it because it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And 
um, you know, the expectations are there, the expectations are very high, and the compensation uh, is very low. I know there are a lot of people who do it volunteer style, but there are a lot of guys, and I think you can see this in the <clears throat> in the travel ranks too. There was a, a point where, you know, when I was coaching in travel, the coaching travel was an expectation of my job. Um, it wasn't something that was on top of it or included, and it wasn't something I was paid for. Now, uh, you know, to try to help lure and keep coaches, programs are paying coaches, uh, and that is factored into team costs and everything else. Um, you know, now granted, I did do it when the money I was making at my at my job was good money in, in the world of a 19, 20, 21-year-old, and free vacations is the way I looked at it because, you know, it was my hotel was paid for, my food was paid for, because uh, I had to be there to coach the team, and without me, the, the rest didn't happen. So, um, you know, that was kind of a thing where that view has changed, and I can understand it from a standpoint of the time and effort put in for people to coach. Um, you know, and, and high school is kind of the same way. You know, it, it went from a thing where the, the coaching positions are, and I think in a lot of cases, you know, they were and in a lot of cases still are, protected by union backing and, you know, protected by the ability to go and say, well, there's this really good baseball guy in the community, maybe he even works for the town, the little league, whatever it may be. And, but he's not a teacher and a teacher wants that job. So because they're a union employee and it's a job at a union school district, that position goes to the teacher first. And that's detrimental to the game. Um, you know, there's a lot of instances where those, those two positions go hand in hand, where the person who, who wants it is also a really good baseball person on top of being a teacher. Um, there are a lot of times that it doesn't. And I, again, I think this area specifically is, and has gotten away from that. Uh, I think the guys that you see that are teachers are generally good baseball people, good baseball coaches. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it too is the, a lot of a lot of schools, especially in you know, especially schools that want to compete and want to be want to be good, find good. And this is just not just baseball, but any sport. I think they find good people for that sport and find reasons to say this is better than insert teacher here who's a fan of this team or who played at a minimal level. You know, I, the 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 opportunity to play for a former pro, uh, and I know there's at least two that I know of, like off the top of my head, um, coaching in the Western New York area, that, that, that opportunity is, how, how do you argue with it? How do you argue with the, I'm going to play for a dude who did this at the highest level. Great. Um, now it, just because you played at the highest level, does that mean you're a good coach? No, but given the opportunity to play for a guy who did it at that level, it's hard to argue with. Um, you know, and, and that's not saying that those guys, that there aren't other guys who didn't play at that level, aren't good, aren't as good, aren't anything. This is not a comparison. I'm just saying, I mean, that was on the only, the only person who was like that in this area for the longest time when I was growing up, uh, was also a teacher in the district he coached for and okay, I lied. So there's three, there was four, but I think there was no overlap in two of them. So there's always been two to three that I, that I know of. Um, outside of that, I mean, you know, getting guys in that know the game, getting guys in that know baseball and know how to not, not just know baseball, but know how to develop and deal with kids is important. Um, and I think that's a big deal. I think that's something 
that gets lost on, especially when you start talking about bringing in assistant coaches and bringing in JV coaches and bringing in, you know, freshmen or modified coaches if you're if the school has such a program and what they do, what their function is, how they're compensated for their time, and what their expectations are. I know I know a lot of uh, a lot of places, and this is something uh, in my in my trips to the far west regional in the high school ranks. You know, we'd be there with me and the head coach as the two kind of full-time guys and our underclassmen coaches would come and join us if they could. But, you know, because it was, they were joining us as their seasons were ending along the way, or we were expecting them to be there 24, seven, 365, really. Um, they were just kind of there to help if we looked at them and said, Hey, could you do this? Where we're looking at these other programs, um, some of the bigger schools in double a, uh, Victor and, um, I think it was Webster Schroeder were the two that we played, uh, if memory serves, I think we played both of them twice, honestly. Um, but they, I mean, you look at their bench and they have four and five and six coaches and they're all doing something. They're all active. They all have like what looks to be a defined role of some kind, you know, and, and that's not something you can just develop in four days, three days, two days since their season ended as the JV and freshman and modified coaches, you know, that's something that is just put in place from day one. Um, you know, and a lot of, and, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, how the, how schools set up practice times and practice facilities and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot working against high school programs from top to bottom. Um, you know, and, and that's varsity down, you know, do you, is your, var, are your varsity coaches going to take time away from, the guys on the varsity team where the sole purpose is to develop players and win ball games to work with the freshman on the freshman team on whatever he needs work on. Or do you say, that's my, that's my freshman staff's job. And what is your freshman staff? Probably a coach and, and maybe a volunteer or two, uh, if you're lucky. And if those volunteers are anything, but anything more than a father who is going to keep score a little bit and stuff, which is another, you know, asking for trouble. I mean, it, it's, there's a lot to it. And there's a lot that goes into those things, uh, especially with a lot of the stuff that he was talking about. But I, I don't think that high school baseball is not worth it. Um, and really, and uh, in this area, you know, like I, I know that there have been a lot of freshman programs that have gotten cut. Um, I, be I believe there's only like six or seven freshman programs in the area. Last I knew, uh, there may be a few more, I don't know, maybe there's, there may be a few less, but um, that freshman age group is kind of kind of dwindling a little bit, but I mean, I always thought that was you know that was better for the area because you got guys who you know you have freshmen who may not be good enough for JV this year, but what do they do? Where do they play? Well, they don't for a year, and then they make JV as a sophomore, and they're a year behind. Uh, I know when I was coming through, that modified age group was not seventh, eighth, and ninth, which made it really tough on the seventh graders who maybe you were talented, maybe you had a little bit of skill, but are you as good as the ninth grader? No, probably not, because he's two years older than you. And seventh grade to ninth grade is a big, big difference. Um, we know where ninth grade to tenth grade isn't as big. Tenth to eleventh, you know, we and we make those. You know, you can make those jumps, and you can say ninth to uh, ninth to twelfth is a huge jump. But there have been kids all across the board at a lot of schools who have been able to make that jump, but. That's it's also a smaller pool because by the time you get to the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grades, the number of kids playing and trying out is dwindling. You know, when you're a seventh grader, 
playing it, so trying out for seventh, eighth, and ninth, especially, I mean, and then, again, I can speak from uh, my time at, a, at one of the biggest schools in Western New York. We'd have 80 guys at tryouts. You know, if you have 30 kids per grade, you'd be like, holy crap, that's 90 kids. So if you have 20, that's 60. That That's a ton. That's an absolute ton. Now, I understand that there are smaller schools that don't have nearly that much, that many, um, especially when you get down into class B and under. Um, but at the same time, like those kids are also kind of getting filed up because maybe you have a couple ball players per age group and they just kind of jump up and, you know, you might have more freshmen playing up. But at the same time, like that should also mean you have more time to develop more kids because, you don't have as many kids to, to, to pick from and deal and deal with. And I, I'm kind of talking myself into a circle here. Um, but I, I, I really, I think the, the biggest thing there, I know um, the amount of times that we heard from a facility standpoint, you know, before, before we had a permanent fence in our, uh, at our yard. Um, hey guys, when's our fence going up? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when's your first game? We'll, we'll get to it before then. Uh, tomorrow. Oh, I don't know if we'll get to it by tomorrow. Sorry about that. The, the spring season snuck up on us. Um, what, <laughs> like, it's one of those things, you know, and like the, the, the quote tweet said, you know, a lot of schools, you know, lack the, the time and preparation or, you know, even the understanding of what it takes. You know, if you're, if you've got a kid who's a three sport athlete, which in the Northeast is not uncommon, you know, now kids are practicing year round, but at some point they're taking time off. I know uh, basketball season right before baseball season is tough because you're playing basketball. You still have to keep your grades up. And then, especially if you're a pitcher, you're expected to keep your arm in shape. Well, if you don't, you have two to and a half, two and a half to three weeks to throw a handful of times if you're lucky. And depending upon what your team does as a pitching program before you're expected to go pitch in a game. And if you're one of the talent, like if you're at a smaller school and you're one of the more talented pitchers, that means your coach may expect you to pitch twice in a week. You might have to go Monday, Friday, week one, uh, or whatever it may be, and that's that's tough. You know, so can can you say that it's not worth it? No, because I think it is, and I think there's some some sense of pride of playing for your high school. I think there's a little bit more to it. I can tell you that uh, because of the affiliation with a school, uh, some of the standards that kids are held to are a little bit higher, I think, than you see in in the travel world. Uh, and that's going to stem me into my next part, which is I had a conversation today with uh, a coaching colleague of mine and a, and a, and a buddy of mine about uh, chirping and the way kids and teams and coaches and parents are handling themselves on the ball diamond this year. And I'll tell you what, I, I am the first to admit that I'm a big fan of of chirping. I'm a big fan of ball busting. Um, the show Shorzy, the character Shorzy from Letterkenny, one of my favorite, one of the funniest characters on TV, in my opinion. If you don't watch Letterkenny, it's a Canadian sitcom about hockey. They talk a lot about chirping and barbing back and forth and stuff. It's a comedy. It's a sitcom. I don't think anybody lives real life that way. There's also a little bit more to the character Shorzy when he breaks off into his own character uh, and on his own spinoff TV show that you kind of see certain sides of it and why he treats certain people the way he does and... You know, but I think we're losing something in translation here when we talk about kids who, you know, you go and you watch a kid on another team make an error and you openly and actively mock that kid. Or, uh, you know, somebody comes up and has a rough at bat and it's, you know, or a kid's struggling on a mound and it's, you know, chirping the kid on the mound, chirping the kid in the box, chirping the kid who made the error, you know, uh, anything along those lines. And, you know, that that's a tough look. 
It's even gotten so bad that coaches are chirping other coaches. Why? Why? What purpose does mocking the other team's coach in front of your players serve, aside from setting a poor example? And I think in, when you talk high school baseball, those things are more easily policed because there are not only punishments that you can, you know, and punishments and, and ways to hold players accountable, I should say, as a team and as a school, as a, as a parent organization, which the school school would then be, to say, like, that's not how we act, that's not how we want to roll, and um, for those of you who know me, you know that I myself was subjected to that, and, you know, where outside of that, it's, you know, no harm, no foul, right? It's, you know, if the coach on the field doesn't care, then it, it is what it is, um, and, you know, and we see that a lot more in summer ball, I think. Uh, you know, I've I've seen coaches tell other play, you know, tell other coaches, tell players that you know they wouldn't last an inning and in, you know near their dugout. Um, you know, I've seen kids chirp to a point where you, like you look and you're like, okay, I I understand that the that the coach isn't going to say anything, but where's the umpire here? Uh, you know, where's where's the umpire? I mean, because we, I think we're getting close to a tipping point where you're going to start seeing bench clearers in youth sports. Which, uh, the first time you see an 18 or under age group, not 18, not just 18, but 18, 17, all the way down to like 13, 12, 11, 10, you start seeing the benches clear. I, I, we, we've reached a breaking point and at some point that's going to happen because here's what, here's how it's going to go. You're going to get two teams that are like, oh, we're the chirp Kings. Oh, we're, we're, we're the, you know, we, we may, you know, we, we, we chirp so well, it affects the other team's play. It affects how the other team does their thing. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be, oh, we're not getting the better of them. They're getting the best of us. And then the chirps escalate. Things get to a certain level. They get to a boiling point. That boiling point boils over. And next thing you know, we're going to have a scrum of high school kids and coaches on a baseball field. And I hope to God it doesn't happen. I, and, you know, and it's it's bound to happen to some extent. I'm sure it's somewhere it already has. I'm sure, you know, if it was bad enough, it would have been all over Twitter, as everything is all over Twitter. Um, you know, but I think it's also, if it did, the video would exist. The video would be everywhere. Um, and I hope to God that if and when it does, because I am I, not putting anything past anything at this point. Um, I think it, at the point, if and when it does, you're it's going to be all over the place it's going to be a horrid horrid look and i hope to god it's not done it's not here in western new york i really really do um you know because that that's just a thing where that's not a good look it's just not um especially when it it stems off of adults chirping leading to kids chirping and then you know other kids and other adults chirping back defending themselves whatever the viewpoint may be uh, it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough, and it's it's not something this sport needs. You know, there's, I'm I'm a big proponent of showing some emotion, having fun while you play. I'm big, you know, g- you know, give me, in a, situationally speaking, give me bat flips, give me fist pumps, give me. I mean, I watched a, a guy in the pros the other day. Um, I was sitting in Cooperstown. We were watching a ball game, and they were talking about like, where did this guy come from? Like, he's 29 years old. He's pumping 96, and he's pumping like a heavy 96. Where these these uh, these pro hitters literally can't catch up to him. And where's he been? I mean, he's 29 years old. 
like, where the hell has this guy been? And they like went through his career and he kind of like muddled in obscurity for a while. And then one, like he just figured it out. He's always thrown that hard, but he couldn't find the zone. And all of a sudden he figured it out. And now here he is. And he comes out and he K's the side. And as he gets that last K, he turns around and just, ah, and kind of gives like a, an old warrior yell, if you will. And I'm all for it, man. Like, listen, that's, that's this dude's career. That's this dude's life. You know, it's what he wanted. And he, you know, he fought and he scraped and he clawed. Like, yeah, there's emotion there. Um, you know, do I think a, a solo shot in a, you know, in, in, in a midsummer game where you're down six runs, do I think that deserves a bat flip? Probably not. You know, and like, I understand the, you know, act like you've been there before. But I mean, there's some kids who, you know, maybe they haven't been. Maybe you've never hit a home run before. Maybe you barrel one and it gets out and you've never done it before, but you hit it and for some reason you just knew. So you flip it a little bit and you enjoy it. Act like you've been there before. There's no guarantee you'll ever be there again. I'm all for it. You know, I, I am all for the the bat flips and the fist pumps to an extent. You know, again, do do you need to throw it to to the moon in your average run-of-the-mill middle of summer, boys of summer game where – you know, you're up or down or you're playing a team that maybe is a little little beneath you talent wise type thing. Like you're you're a regional team that's going, you know, going to a uh, you know, some big regional tournament next week and there's some local team that kind of you know, mills around the local the local tournament scene and doesn't really get out of the Western York area. You know, do you need to be throwing that bat to the moon? No. Um, you know, you hit a walk-off? Be excited. Sure, absolutely. You know, those are fun. You know, act like you've been there before. You know, some guys never get the opportunity to hit a, to hit a walk-off bomb. They never do. Um, you know, some guys do. Some guys do it regularly. Some guys have that, you know, are lucky enough to be in that position and more, to do it more than once in a lifetime. Stuff like that. Um, but the chirping, the talking from the bench, the, you know, mocking of other players and coaches, what does that do? What, what does that do? Because uh, in the conversation I was having earlier is that that's the type of thing that I look at and say, first off, you know, if I hear it, I'm going to look at that kid and be like, my first question is going to be, if I want him to play for me, is that something I can stop? Is that something I can put a cap on? And second, okay, so you come out, you chirp, you, you know, the, you win the game. But what does that do? Like is is the win in a midsummer league game that important? It, like is it that important that you have to run your mouth? And then if it is, what happens when you face teams that that stuff doesn't work, or they're just that much better? Because if that's how you're relying, if that's something you rely on to win games, eventually you're just going to get beat by more talented teams. Because there's always a more talented team, and then you're going to go maybe to your high school and maybe you like maybe you have a coach that actually looks at you and says knock it off cut it out well can are now now what now what do you contribute what do you contribute to your team as a player outside of chirping and can you handle it when the chirping doesn't work because in my opinion normally some of the loudest chirpers are the guys who are the first guys to throw their bat against the fence or spike their helmet or cuss out an umpire, or cuss out a, a teammate, a coach, a player, anybody, and lose their cool, lose their temper. You know, 
uh, in my, that like that level of chirping, that level of, of trash talk, in my opinion, should be left for the, your your bar leagues. I can tell you, I play I play adult amateur ball. It, we don't chirp and, sh- and and talk crap like that in that league. I've seen it in slow pitch, um, you know, and that's just the type of thing. I I just I, I don't think there's a place for it when you start talking about prep baseball. And this podcast is is you know it's billed as the first prep baseball podcast in Western New York and. You know, we talk about preparing kids for the next level, you know, because that's really I didn't call it the first travel ball podcast. I didn't call it the first high school baseball podcast prep baseball, prepping kids for the next level, prepping kids to go on and play in college, wherever it may be, be it a JUCO, be it D3, D2, D1, NAIA, anything along those lines, anything that any type of information that can help get a kid to that level and hopefully succeed to some extent was the point of this podcast and the the guests I've brought on are all have all been people that are do or in some way shape or form can uh help and help get at, at least something in like something informative out there for these guys, for guys to to play or get to the next level including the umpires I've had on um you know because if if you don't think these umpires talk if you don't think these umpires don't get to know coaches and players and stuff like that and you know there are guys that I know that I talk to like hey what do you know about this kid Guess what? You may when when you know that a college uh, that a college coach or some coach or some team or program is there to see you, you and you act like 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 an angel and you you keep your mouth shut, you play hard, you put your head down, you run, you keep your mouth shut, you play hard, you and you go out there and do it the right way, and then hey, you're an umpire in the area. What do you know about this kid? Oh man, listen, that like I've watched that kid go up one side and down the other of umpires, parents, players, coaches, doesn't matter what team, doesn't matter what field, doesn't matter what league, that kid has a really bad attitude, and that's just, you know, it's it's a tough look. Well, guess what? What I saw now doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to probably try to show up, and if even if I'm not sure if I believe that, I'm probably going to try to show up to a game to make sure that you're not going to know I'm coming to because I want to see. You know, I'm not going to show up in my in 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 my hat and my uniform or you know anything that has, you know, my program name on it or anything like that. I'm going to come. I'm going to stand in the back of the crowd, probably on the other seat, the other team's side, just you know, and just watch. And you know what? I probably don't. You know what? You know what? I'm probably not looking for. Oh, who's the biggest trash talker out here? But you know, thank God it helped. Thank God it helped your team win a game in the middle of summer. I, I don't know. It, it, it just it it doesn't belong, in my opinion, in prep baseball. You know, and we saw, you know, there was a lot of publicity about the uh, the kid in the College World Series that hit a, hit a ball over the outfielder's head and threw the bird up. And, you know, a lot of people came to his defense. He's a great kid. You know, got the emotions, got the best of him, everything else. Um, the, I don't, first off, if he's a good kid, like people said, I don't think that that was just a out of nowhere throw the bird up. There's probably some chirping, probably some trash talking. And then that happened. Um you know, there was probably a little bit more to that story, and I, I think the emotions getting a little bit better of him tells tells me that. And then you look and you say, like, oh, they when they come up and they lose, he's the kid they focus on. Like, oh, weird how the tables have turned, and the baseball gods, you know, the baseball gods don't forget. I yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's that's tough. If we're allowing one, it's going to be a tough look on the other end of it. But, um. So and, and to dial back to the original topic, and this will be my last thing here, which I know a lot of people are probably pretty happy about. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get back on track here. Uh, to go back to, to the original, uh, the original commentary here. I mean, 
I, I think the the institutions of high school baseball are you know are ways to help control and corral that because if you have an in, if you have an issue with your travel coach if you have an issue with your summer coach what do you do you go to one of the other 50 travel coaches in the area in your age group to play baseball next year you know you go to one of the other I don't know maybe four that are in your town depending on where you live um you know and you can always find a place to play in the summer it you know your options are very 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 limited when it comes to high school baseball so you know there, there's ways and there's certain things that I think both college and or sorry, college, both high school and travel are beneficial to players. And to think otherwise, I, I think is, I, I think it's just wrong. I think it's incorrect. But, um, you know, and again, I, I can only really speak for the West New York area because to speak on anything outside of here would be ignorant of me because I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, but that being said, uh, just interesting food for thought here. If you have any comments or any, on it, any, uh, Comments, questions, concerns, anything along those lines, you know, shoot me a text, shoot me a message, uh, message me on Tip of the Cap's Twitter, just at Tip of the Cap Pod, things like that. And uh, all that being said, uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you next time on Tip of the Cap.